Good morning. Uh, so today's not a repeat. Uh, we are talking about the resurrection again, but in a little different way. Um, so I don't want you guys to think that you know I'm just we're not doing reruns or anything. Um, so I, do you ever have a car that that pulls to one side? So my car, my brain, um, pulls to academics a lot. Um, so I, I try to be real inspirational and I try to write like a really great sermon sometimes, but sometimes, you know, everything's out of alignment and it, <laughs> it, it pulls to a lecture. Um, so with that in mind, my name's James, welcome to my TED talk. Uh, no, hopefully, hopefully we'll get some there's, there's some, there's some good stuff in here, but you will, you know, recognize this as close to a lecture. Um, so let's talk about the resurrection. I, uh, I, have, a, I have a day job um, at a community college, and uh, I, I talk to a lot of different people, and um, so they inevitably, over the course of a couple of years, will find out that I am a pastor at a church, and... Uh, a couple of things. One, they'll generally, I, I work with veterans, um, they'll generally apologize for years worth of bad language in my office, which is, it's fine, it's totally fine. And uh, the other is they'll just, they'll start asking questions, which is fine, because I feel like God's put me in a position to answer questions. Um, and occasionally, occasionally I find uh, someone who's pretty jaded, um, who has some strong feelings about the church and about faith in general. And, uh, and this one particular instance, it was, it was a guy that I had actually known since I was little. Um, and he popped back up in my office after having served in the military, and I was, I was helping him get his benefits. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I'm helping start this church, and I just, I just can't do that. I can't do that stuff anymore. And so it was, you know out of curiosity. And we got to talking about it, and he said, you know, honestly, it's the, all the mumbo-jumbo, the, the miracles and the, the resurrection. And he, of course, he used some pejorative zombie Jesus, sky daddy language that, that you hear sometimes when people talk about it. Um, but once I got him settled down and once we talked a little bit, he realized that there's this, there's always this gap, right, between doubt and, and belief, and for him, that chasm was huge, right? Uh, he was he was firmly on the on the side of doubt, um, and I think if we're truthful, a lot of times we're not firmly on the side of belief, but we're on the side of belief, right? Um, and so there's kind of this this chasm in between that's that's really tough to fit to fill. Um, how many have you guys have heard of the the word apologetics? So, super popular um, thing uh, since, like, the Greeks, so no big deal. But, um, no, it comes from the Greek apologia, which means to make a defense for. Um, if, you've ever, uh, if you've ever read Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ, uh, it's a great primer in apologetics. Um, if you want to get real deep into it and take a good nap, Dr. William Lane Craig lecture, hours-long lectures on apologetics, but he's great, and there's a lot of good stuff. So, um, But apologetics is mounting a defense for a belief. 
And for us as Christians, it's mounting a defense for a belief in Christ. Um, so here's that gap, right? And this is, this is basically a word of caution when it comes to apologetics, because once you get into it, you get real excited. Like, like I got so stoked about it, and I was just like running around and like bashing people on the head with my case, of, you know, case for Christ. And like, this is the... This is a word of caution. There's this chasm, like I said, between belief and doubt. And in a lot of people's brain, this is what happens. Apologetics is the bridge, right? Four-lane highway, paved, rest stop. Like, I, I doubted, and then I read this really awesome book, and now I believe in Jesus, right? That's not the case. The big X. Uh, that's not the case. That's not the case. What's, what's closer is that apologetics serves as kind of a springboard, right? We're, we're in the, the doubt side, right? We're having some doubts about something, and apologetics kind of extends out a little bit and makes that leap not so crazy, right? The important part is, is that even if we have apologetics and we have all the best lecturers and all the best classes and all the best books in the world, we still have to have faith. Apologetics is, is not going to do the heavy lifting. It's not going to do the job for you. So my word of caution this morning is, I'm going to provide some evidence and some information. Don't let this serve as a substitute for faith. Okay? Because ultimately, God calls on us to be faithful. Right? And it, it, apologetics helps. It gets us part of the way there. It just closes that gap. Right? But we still have to have faith. Um, so our objective today uh, is to provide evidence for the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because <clears throat> it was a real event. Now, again, second word of caution. Um, this is not a tool to go out and like pick fights with atheists. Uh, I always take the uh, Mr. Miyagi approach when it comes to apologetics. Apologetics is for defense only, right? <laughs> Just like karate, it's for defense only. So apologetics, like the name implies, is a defense. It's not an offensive weapon. It's not for you to go out and bash people with. So now that we've got that taken care of, let's move on to this. So I'm going to, I'm going to, the way this is structured, I'm going to tell you something that we believe you know, generally as Christians. I'm going to tell you what someone who may have an issue with that would say back to us as a response, and then I'm going to tell you what the correct response would be. <clears throat> so what we believe, right, is that the Bible is a trustworthy resource. Pretty simple, right? I'm starting, starting at basics, so we'll, we'll get this out of the way. So the Bible is a trustworthy resource, they might say, well, the Bible's just a book. True. Technically, it is a book, right? Um, what I get a lot of times is the, uh, I call it the some old man argument. Like, you'll hear, well, the Bible is just a book. The some old man sat down hundreds of years ago and wrote down all this stuff. Okay. Totally just the wrongest thing in Wrongville. Like, could not be more wronger. Like, 
it was not some old man. To, I mean, I'm sure a few of them were kind of old, but not like one guy sat down and decided, I'm going to write this massive book, and I'm going to write it in different languages, and I'm going to write you know, like, It's just it couldn't be more wrong, right? But we're going to talk about that. So they might say the Bible, it's just a book. And, and our answer is really, the Bible's a collection. And I know you've heard David say this from up here, and I know I've said it at least a couple of times. So the Bible is actually... It's a collection of different books. On my shelf right now, um, there's a couple of companies that are coming out uh, with reader Bibles, and they're real small because they're actually individual books of the Bible. They've had all the numbers taken out. Um, they've had, uh, you know, basically there's just page numbers and text on there. Um, so I can sit down and I can grab the book of Mark and sit down on my couch and read it like it was, like it was written. Um, in a way that's narrative and it flows. I'm not worried about like what's this verse and this verse next verse. And there's no verses, no chapters, just text, which is how it was written. Um, and so what happened was, not to go into a massive church history lesson, but through several different phases, the church has decided this is an important text. We can verify this text. And so we put them together. And so this is, this is actually just a convenience thing. This is a whole library in one book. It's so that we can carry it around, so that we have this information at our fingertips. This is the important stuff, right? So it's not just some book that was written by some old man. Um, it's actually a collection. It's written to different audiences at different times in history. It's even written to different cultures. Like we think about this monolithic, um, you hear the phrase Judeo-Christian. It's very different things. And given the time period and given their, their geographic location, those cultures are very, very different. So we keep that in mind when we, when we look at this. It's not just some book. It's a collection of things. Um, for instance, Matthew, right, the book of Matthew, was written sometime around 70, the year 70 CE. Uh, it uses Jewish uh, culture and features. One of the one of the phrases that comes up a lot, um, super interesting if you have a lot of free time, um, it's called gamatria, G-A-M-A-T-R-I-A, gamatria. Um, and it's the usage of, of symbols and numbers that are inherent in the Hebrew language. So, so there are actually, depending on the letter, there's a, there's a number value for it. And Matthew actually uses this concept. Um, now, don't get too, we're not trying to do end times things, and I'm not going to, this isn't what this is. Um, but he uses parallels, and he uses it as a symbol. So he uses things like gematra, which is a very Jewish um, concept. Uh, we know it was written somewhere east of the Jordan River, most likely Jerusalem. Um, moving on to Mark. Now, in your Bible, it's, gonna, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Right? Mark was actually written first. Um, for other reasons, it's listed second. But it was actually written first. Uh, possibly around the year 60 CE on into 70 CE. So, super important. Within 30 years of Jesus' death, Someone's writing this down. Like the, the version we have now, like the, uh, there's, we find tidbits and, and portions of other texts, but the, the book of, of Mark that, that we know today was written roughly around the year 60 CE. Super early, super close to the actual event. Most likely written in Rome. Um, and traditionally, uh, we believe that the author of Mark is John Mark, the disciple. 
the book of Luke, um, we believe traditionally written by the great physician, Luke. Um, we believe he wrote Luke and the book of Acts as well. As a matter of fact, when you, sometimes when you are studying it academically, they'll actually refer to it as the book of Luke-Acts. Like they'll just shove them together because they flow so well. Um, so we believe he wrote both Luke and Acts in the city of Antioch. Um, he was a friend and a mentor to Paul, and we believe it was written around the year 80 CE. The book of John, later than all the other Gospels, most likely written by John, the son of Zebedee, and the, the narrative form is actually completely different from the first three because we feel like it seems that both Matthew and Luke probably used a portion of the early Gospel, Mark, to write theirs. But John's completely separate. And I say all this to say, it's not just a book, right? Many, many books, even written by disciples in completely different geographic places. If they were there together with, with Jesus, right? They witnessed the same things. But at some point in time, they scattered. They completely scattered. And in different places and at different times, they wrote down what they remembered. It's all different accounts, but... It's actually a good thing. Um, sometimes people will, will bring up apparent discrepancies um, between the Gospels. And I tend to go ahead and just accept it. Um, if you have ever been involved in a criminal court case, or if you've even just witnessed a car wreck, an event that happened five seconds ago can have completely different accounts of what's going on. And so the feeding of the 5,000, actually there's a couple of different versions of that story throughout the Gospels with a few what seem like discrepancies, but the truth of the matter is we know the disciples were there and thousands of people got fed with very little food, right? That's the important. The exact numbers, not so important. But I will tell you the one thing that's in all the Gospels. No discrepancies in a few of them almost verbatim. Jesus Christ was a real person. He was persecuted. He was killed by Rome. He was buried. And on the third day, rose again. It's in every single one of them. So the minor discrepancies, those little things, don't matter. Because the one, the one thing they get right, years, decades apart, hundreds of thousands of miles apart, the one thing that they all remember was the most important thing First things first, right? Jesus rose on the third day. So now that we've established that, another thing that we believe is that Jesus is real and that he died, right? <clears throat> They're going to say, <clears throat> excuse me, how do we know that Jesus was even alive? Well, first of all, I just spent a very long time explaining to you guys that the biblical accounts are real, real true because they were written separately. There's all this evidence to suggest that they were written by different people at different times, right? So a lot of times you'll hear, well, the Bible, it's in the Bible. Remember, when I say the biblical account, I'm talking about a ton of people. A ton of people have eyewitness accounts to this event. So right off the top, there's that. We have the biblical accounts, right? But if that's not good enough, there are what they call extra-biblical accounts. 
So people who had, <laughs> I was going to say no scratch in the game. That's such a, such a heathen thing to say. Um, <laughs> they don't have a dog in the fight, right? Yeah, no, they're not invested whatsoever, right? We have, we have people from that same era that say the same thing happened. Tacitus, um, this dude has like eight names. I'm not even kidding you. The research on this dude was stupid. Um, Tacitus also went by the name Gaius, also went by the name Publius, right? He's writing in the year 117 CE, so not even 100 years after Jesus died. He's a, he's a historian. Um, no connection to the church. No reason to lie. No reason to make things up. Tacitus says this, Neither human effort, nor the emperor's generosity, nor the placating of the gods ended the scandalous belief that the fire had been ordered by Nero. There was a massive fire in Rome, and everyone said that Nero was crazy. You ever, the Nero fiddled while Rome burned? Yeah, there, was this, there was this concept that Nero had ordered this to happen because he was just nuts. And so Tacitus is saying, look, I know this is... This is what people believe, but this is what we actually think happened. So, so there's this rumor going around that Nero ordered Rome to burn. He says, therefore, to put down the rumor, Nero substituted as culprits and punished in the most unusual ways those hated for their shameful acts, whom the crowd called Christians. The founder of their name, Christ, or Christus in Latin, had been executed in the reign of Tiberius by the procur procurator Pontius Pilate, suppressed for a time, the deadly superstition erupted again not only in Judea, the origin of this evil, but also in the city of Rome, where all things horrible and shameful from everywhere come together and become popular. <laughs> not a fan of Christianity, but here we have someone completely outside of the circle that doesn't even like us. And he's going, yeah, no, that was a thing. Um, there was a bunch of people, and they, this dude, they killed him, and he came back, apparently. Um, and then they all believed it. Like, there was, so we have this extra biblical account of someone coming along going, I don't like it, but it's a thing. Like, it actually happened, right? Josephus, who even earlier, right, than Tacitus, is writing in the year 60, 70 CE, maybe a little bit later. Um, he's, a, he's a Jewish scholar, and I say that with an asterisk. The Jewish community didn't really like him because he really, really liked the government, and they didn't like the government, and he was a, you know, they paid him money to write down histories and stuff like that, but he wrote these massive volumes on Jewish history. And so we use this as a source because it's so complete and it's so available. So Josephus is writing, and he says this, Around this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he was one who did surprising deeds and a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was their Messiah. When Pilate, upon hearing him, accused men of the highest standing among us, had condemned him to be crucified, those who in the first place came to love him did not give up their affection for him, for on the third day he appeared to them, restored to life. 
the prophets of God had prophesied this and countless other marvelous things about him and the tribe of Christians so called after him have still to this day not died out. Here we have an account. Again, no dog in the fight. He's not even, he's not even really super Jewish. He's just kind of Jewish-ish. Uh, like, like, he's not accepted by that community, and he's, he's writing for the government, right? And even this guy's saying, yeah, there was some crazy stuff going on, and I'm going to write it down because it's super important that you all know about it. As a matter of fact, those people are still hanging around to this day. He's, he's actually, if you go back, he's actually attesting to the miracles of Christ, and this isn't just some like, yeah, Jesus existed, there was a guy, and he died, and there's some people that are still talking about him. He's actually attesting to his miracles and his resurrection, completely outside of the Bible. So not only do we have the biblical accounts, right, but we have, we have accounts of, of citizens that just don't really care about Christians any other way, right? And, and they're saying, no, Jesus, Jesus was real, he was a real thing. We have Jewish scholars that are saying, no, for real, guys, this guy existed. He did all this crazy stuff. And it's still going on, right? So we have all of these accounts that Jesus is real and that he died. And you're going to have people that are still going to say, okay, well, how do we really know? This sounds real juvenile, but how do we know anything, right? We just gather evidence for it. Who knows who William Shakespeare is? Okay, right. Um, I went to William Shakespeare's house when I was in England. It's on Stratford-on-Avon. Do you know how many physical pieces of evidence exist to substantiate Shakespeare? Six. Six. I'm not going to say it again. That's a bad number. Um, <laughs> We have six documents with his signature on it. Some of them are spelled differently. And they're all in different handwriting. So we have, a, we have a bunch of plays attributed to Shakespeare, right? This guy, William Shakespeare, and he wrote these things, and they were kind of body, and everyone liked him, and the queen didn't like him. Okay, we've got all these works over here, but when it comes down to, like, this guy was here, and he signed this thing six times, and we don't even think he signed all of them, because like I said, there's one of the signatures, I'm not even kidding you, when I was researching it, they said it was so badly written and so poorly misspelled, they think they found some, like literally, like an illiterate person off the street, and they were like, can you come in and copy this down? And so he just, he's basically drawing shapes on it. It doesn't even look like a signature. And they're like, oh, it's Shakespeare's signature. That's one of the six. I'm going to go with five. But what... <laughs> What do we have to substantiate that anything exists, right? Here, I, I... Do you know we have... Here, this is not in my notes, but I'm going to give you this. Um, everyone's like, King James Version. That's the... Apparently, that one was handed down directly from God. Um, do you know we have more first-hand, first-source accounts today than when the King James Version was written? We actually have more archaeological evidence, more fragments 
of Scripture today. So when they write an NIV or an ESV, we have more evidence now to back up what's in here than they did during King James' day. Guys, we have so much evidence to back up what are in these books. And it, it comes down to what you want, right? You know, the, these people, they want to believe that someone like Shakespeare existed. And so six signatures, that's cool. Like, they're fine with that, right? It comes down to what you want to believe. Because I can give you all of the evidence in the world, and I can pull first-hand accounts and sources from history, people who are not biased in any way, shape, or form, and they're going to say, yeah, no, Jesus was real. You just have to take that and believe it. It comes down to what we want to believe sometimes. Another thing that we believe is that Jesus was raised from the dead. And this is, this is the biggie, right, guys? This is the one. Um, because without this, I didn't, all of this doesn't really matter, right? I mean, there's a lot of philosophers and a lot of really smart guys that have said a lot of really cool stuff throughout history. And if this doesn't happen, then honestly, Jesus is just another one of them. And I'm not trying to sound super dramatic, but quite literally, we come here to worship a living God every Sunday. And if he doesn't come back from the dead, this doesn't happen, right? What they're going to say is, why should we believe the writers of the New Testament when they attest to the resurrection of God? Besides the fact that, again, I can say yeah, it's a first-hand account, like, it's eyewitnesses, your testimony, right? Like, I can do that, but you're, again, you're going to believe, right, what you want to believe, and we can do this all day. Let me give you some other information. One of the simplest things is that the disciples began proclaiming Jesus as soon as he died. And if Rome or the Sanhedrin wanted to put a stop to it, they literally could have just walked to the tomb, rolled it open, and been like, there he is, right? It was a public execution. Everyone saw him die, right? If I was Rome, or if I was a member of the Sanhedrin, and I wanted to quote this really fast, I would have just produced the body. But they couldn't, because he wasn't there. very public execution, a very public death, and nobody. That sounds simple, and it sounds like I'm just, mm, mm, I'm not, no. Then bring me the body, right? Like you could tell, you heard from the, the first-hand accounts that nobody liked this. Rome didn't like it. They were troublemakers. The Sanhedrin didn't like it because they were splitting off members of the Jewish sect at the time and saying, well, no, this is what we believe now. No one liked that. Just bring me the body, and it's all over with. The other thing is this. Uh, you'll find this in Luke 24, Matthew 28, Mark 16, and John 20. And let me read you the one from Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, 
They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. Here's the issue with that account, is that it's embarrassing. Like, real embarrassing. Like, <clears throat> have you ever recounted even a funny story, but there was something that was deeply personal and embarrassing to you, and you just leave it out? This is that embarrassing. Um, no one trusted women. Like, at all. Like, at all. Um, Josephus, the guy that we were reading before, had this to say about women. Let not the testimony of women be admitted on the account of the levity and the boldness of their gender. Right in the same time period, right? Don't even listen to them because they're going to make stuff up and they're going to act like it's true. That's what he said. Other assorted Jewish checks from the time Sooner let the words of the law be burnt than delivered to women. Happy is he whose children are male, but unhappy is he whose children are female. I feel like a John Christ -like video up here. <laughs> uh, yeah, no one liked women back then, right? Nobody. Um, Shana calls this my holy huddle. Okay, guys, uh -uh. if you're going to make up a story, don't include women. Not in first century Palestine. Don't. Nobody likes them. Nobody likes them at all. And it, it sounds like a joke. I, like, I, I cannot describe you. Like, they would really much rather take the testimony of a toddler than they would a woman at this time. So if I'm making up a story about the resurrection of a dead man, if I'm making it up, Women aren't involved in it because it's not believable, right? So you want to know how we know this is true? It's because they told it like it actually was. Despite what was so embarrassing to them at the time was that, was that women were the first evangelists, despite that fact, they still all wrote it down the same way. They included that embarrassing fact. If I'm making it up, I'm not going to do that. We can trust these accounts because they include that embarrassing information. Here's the, here's the last piece of why we can trust this. Um, even the, the disciple, the apostle that was put in place uh, to replace Judas, died a martyr. Um, actually, uh, historically, traditionally speaking, all of them but one died a martyr. Um, 
Peter and Paul both martyred in Rome around the year 66 AD. During the persecution under Nero, Paul was beheaded, and Peter was actually crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same way that Jesus did. So he requested that they kill him that way. Andrew went to... It's Russia today. Um, but on maps back then, it was called the Land of the Man-Eaters. Christians there claim him as the first to bring the gospel to their land. He also preached in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and in Greece, where he was crucified and died. Thomas, probably the most active in the East area east of Syria, tradition has him preaching as far east as India, where the ancient Martoma Christians revere him as their founder. They claim that he died there when he was pierced with the spears of four soldiers. Like I said, John's the only one that we think didn't die a martyr, and he was exiled. They tried to kill him, um, but a miracle happened. They tried to boil him in oil. Didn't work out, so they said, fine, you're going to go live on an island. And then he wrote the book of Revelation, so he still was causing a mess. They exiled him. He came back and he took care of Jesus' mother for a while and, and as we could just assume died of natural causes. We don't die for things we don't believe in. We just don't. And I know there's going to be, oh, what about cults? What about cults? What about Heaven's Gate cult? They all die. What about... Jonestown, what about... Okay, here's the thing with that. There was pressure there to do that. Literally within a few years of Jesus' death, they weren't around their leader, and they weren't around other believers anymore. Like, they literally could have just walked away, and no one would have known. Right? They could have gone to Turkey. They could have gone to India and just done something else. But they didn't. They preached the gospel of Jesus Christ because huh, they believed in it. They weren't in a cult. They saw something. And they thought everyone else should know about this thing that they saw because it was miraculous. And because it happened. When it comes down to it, we know that the Bible has firsthand accounts of events that happened, right? Super simple. That's why I started with, right? This is eyewitness testimony. We have handfuls and handfuls of information that backs that up. Right. We know from extra-biblical accounts that Jesus was real. The guy that they're talking about in here, we know. Real guy. We know he really, really died. And we know, and this is where the faith part comes in, because you're not going to find people that don't believe in this saying elsewise. So the, the accounts we do have are, are here in the Bible. But we know that he appeared to 500 people, at least. We know that he appeared to all the disciples because they wrote it down. And we know that they believed it so much, so much, that they were willing to all go and die terrible, terrible deaths to proclaim that. I, there's no way I provided an actual bridge from doubt to belief for you today, right? I can't, I, otherwise faith's not even a thing, right? If I can just get up here and give you a lecture, then everyone, eh, everyone
one would believe, right? There's still this tiny portion where you, where you do have to have faith in the things that you read. But what I hope today is that, that for a little bit of time, what I've provided was kind of a springboard to make that, that chasm a little bit closer, make doubt and belief a little bit easier of a gully to cross, right? And, and my prayer for you guys today is that you continue to study. I love to study. I love to read. Um, this information is out there, and it's in volumes that are so crazy I couldn't even begin to touch 1% of it today. This information is out there, and in times when my faith, when I've struggled, when I've dealt with doubt, this is one of the things I went back to time and time again. It helps. It just helps, right? It doesn't believe for me. It doesn't have faith for me, but it helps, right? So one week out from Resurrection Sunday, when we celebrated the most glorious happening in this entire faith, I just want you guys to know you're not crazy, right? They weren't crazy. Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and he is risen. Amen?